This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. It's Bridget McGowan here, and welcome to this episode of Own the Microphone. Today, I have with me Gail Kraft, and we're not wasting any time. She told me what I can ask her right out the gate, and I am going there. Gail, first off, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Bridget. It's an honor. Oh, fantastic. My first question for you, Gail, is... Think about one of the first presentations you ever made. And this doesn't have to be a paid presentation. It could have been back when you were 12 years old in seventh grade. I don't know, presenting on sharks. I don't know. Think about your first presentation versus one of the last ones you have recently made. What would you tell that 12-year-old person or however old you were, and you don't have to divulge that, what would you tell that person who made that first speech, given what you know now, many speeches down the road? Well, the first speech presentation that I can remember that really shocked me, I was a manager. I managed trainers. I was a manager. I was not a presenter. I was not a trainer. I am a corporate manager. And uh, the company I worked for had leaders from around the country in. And my boss came over and one of her trainers did not come in. And she said, Gail, Cynthia's not here. You're presenting. And I'm like, no, no, no. I am a manager. I am not a presenter. In a room full of these high level executives, I was zero prepared. She says, I cannot carry the whole day. You need to get up there and do your thing. You know, you know the product, you know the process, go for it. So I will say, you know, the first five minutes, I was a, a, I was a hot mess. It was awful. <laughs> but as I relaxed and got into the groove, I found that I was walking back and forth and I was talking to individuals and I was writing on the board because I did know the product. And once I got past my ego... So that's what I would tell that me, leave your ego in the kitchen. You can pick it up later. It has no place on stage because it's not about you. It's about once I realized it was they were hungry to hear what I had to say. It was about them. It was about that. And to the point where my boss was giving me the cut sign in the back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but now I have to ask you, your boss was giving you the cut sign in the back, you know, doing that index finger across the neck move. Mm -hmm. What was the audience giving you, though? Were you getting the impression from the audience where they said, okay, we've had enough? Be quiet, Actually, sit down, Gail? No, because I was telling stories. 
right? I was telling stories, but it was getting close to lunchtime. It was time for us to kind oh. of wrap it up, right? So yeah. she wanted me to, to kind of wrap it up and to stop with the stories because there are so many stories. And I never know when I get on stage, which one I'm going to tell. So you never know which story you're going to tell when you get on stage. Talk to me a little bit more about how you approach your presentations, how much planning goes into your presentations and how much as it happens on the fly goes into your presentations, maybe even give us a percentage and then give us a little rationale behind the Gail craft experience. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So um, I prepare for weeks. And even if I'm giving a presentation that I've given over and over again, it has to be fresh. Right. And so I look who's coming, you know, where, where am I presenting? I pull it out and I'm always reworking the presentation, always reworking the notes, right. Always reducing the bullets. So this, you know, if I have a, a, a presentation, it's just pictures, you know, it, you can read, if I'm going to read what's up there, you don't need me. Right. Uh, so that's definitely one thing. And then when I get on stage, I don't read any of it. I really don't read it. <laughs> well, okay. So what do you do? Okay, you don't, you've done all of this preparation, all of these hours, all of this time. Well, what do you do? <laughs> well, you know, so I get up on stage and the first thing that I, there is a little bit of formulation to it. And, and I'll give those who present a little bit of a hint. I don't get on stage and say, hey, I'm Gail Craft. They don't give a crap who I am. <laughs> they don't care, right? Right. So I get on stage and I ask questions right, about the pain that we're going to talk about. So let's say we're talking about communication. So how many of you have been in a meeting and you had something really important to say to your boss and what came out of your mouth, you wish the heck you could pull it back? Raise your hand, right? And then how many of you, when you were in maybe an interview and you know you could have presented yourself better, you just were so embarrassed. And so I asked the question that we've all been there to let folks know these are the things that we're going to cover. So the questions are about the subject matter that I'm going to present. So people can think about the pain that they experienced and know that I'm going to talk about that at the end. And I'll often say, been there, done that, and we're going to talk about what that feels like and how we can get out of it and be better. And by the way, my name is Gail Craft, right? It's as if you and I follow the exact same <laughs> blueprint. Yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you at the start of a presentation, you always want to let the audience know that you get it. You get where they're coming from. You get their challenges. You get their pain. You understand. That's why they're in your session because, because they have these big question marks about blank and blank is the topic, right. the subject matter. They right. have these issues, they have these problems, and they're looking to you, the presenter, to give them some kinds of solutions. So by starting off letting them know, I get it, I get it. You have tried to make presentations, you've practiced in the mirror, you've had mock 
practices with friends and family and you just don't feel like you're hitting the mark with it what do you do how do you change this how do you start presentations in a way where you feel confident and you have everybody on the edges of their seats by the time we're done with this presentation you are going to know exactly how to do that you're going to know how to start presentations that are on fire and deliver your presentations with a lot of meaning and depth and interest and information and how to end your presentations in a way that set up your audience for success. My exactly. name is Bridget McGowan, blah, 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 blah. And we get it. Right? And everybody, I just did that off the fly. I'm thinking about everything that you hate about making presentations and how you try to practice and how horrible it is. And then I told you some solutions you're going to get. And then I told you my name. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, when you're on stage, it isn't about you. And when you ask questions, what you do, at least what I do, is I'm looking around because, you know, guys, you can see the audience. I don't care what anyone tells you. <laughs> you can absolutely see the audience. So if that's a fair, you need to work on that, right? Yes. <laughs> but you can see who is responding and who's not. I can, let me tell you a story about one pre presentation I made, and I was warned before it started by the person who was holding it. So-and-so is coming and they are a naysayer, 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 right? I'm like, oh, okay, right? And so sure enough, and they were in the right-hand corner, right? right? And so what did I do? I, first of all, engaged them by engaging the whole audience. So here's another trick, right? If I'm talking to someone in the right-hand corner, I'm going to stand in the left-hand corner so I don't exclude anybody in that conversation, right? I'm not focusing on them, though I am, right? And I would address the issues before she even said anything, because I could see her face, right? Immediately. And I'm telling you, before the first break, she was one of my biggest cheerleaders. She was like all in, because I didn't ignore her. Now, in not go. ignoring her, in not ignoring her, you made sure that you physically looked at her and that you also addressed what you know, what you knew was going on in her head. Yes. And I honored the fact that she, she challenged me, right? There's no, there's nothing wrong with folks challenging you, number one. So that's another thing that maybe the younger me should have known. Right. Right. And number two, absolutely. You don't have all the answers and it's okay to say good question. Have no idea. I would love to investigate that with you. <laughs> exactly. It is okay. If you do not know the answer, say that is a fantastic question. Let's talk later. That is yes. a fantastic question. Let's get on email. Let's have a meeting to discuss this in more depth at another date. Right. I think there's nothing wrong with that. And you, you keep your cool, you save face and you stay on track. You stay right in line with your agenda. It doesn't make you look weak. What makes you look weak is if you come out and say, Oh, uh, I don't know. And now you're all off your game. You feel deflated. You've shot your confidence in the foot. And there may be some people in the audience who thought you had it going on and you really knew your stuff. 
And now they're not feeling you so much. Saying those little words, those three little words, I don't know, can have massively detrimental impact on your presentation, your presence, and just where things go from there. So, Or if you try to make it up. Oh, that can oh. be even worse. Yes. Talk to us, Gail, about making it up. Oh, oh, okay. So, so, oh, I love, that's one of my favorite subjects. I have blogs on MSU, making shit up. Okay. <laughs> because we do that anyway. Our subconscious mind needs a full story. Our ability to communicate never communicates fully what the picture in our head is. So the receiver takes and filters through and takes those words and makes shit up about the rest of the stuff they see is missing, right? To begin with. So your, your brain never has the full information. When you're on stage and you make shit up, right? First of all, there's a little bit of fumbling. Second of all, there's a lot of, a lot of body language and a lot of facial things going on when you make stuff up. Right. So I've studied, I've studied this stuff and I can tell because as a coach, I have to know if my client is like going down that path. Right. If you're doing that on stage, they're going to, the whole audience is going to know you're off. They're going to know you're off. I really, the best compliment to me is, you know, Gail, I love the fact that you pulled that right out because you didn't know the answer, but you went out, you know, talked to them afterwards and you came back during the second half and you told us about the conversation. That's the best thing that you can do. Or even guys, when I get more information, I'll be happy to send you an email, let you know what the result is. You also get emails that way. Wink, wink. Exactly. <laughs> it's a fantastic way to put a foot in the door by saying, let's have a conversation later. And if you know it's something on which you need to learn more, then that gives you that time to learn more. Right? So don't feel like you have to have every single answer right there on the spot. You don't. Watch any press conference. Watch any any kind of, I don't know, just people in positions of prominence are sometimes faced with tough questions and they don't necessarily say, I don't know, but you can tell they don't know, but they are giving a response where they're going to get back with you or they're going to have you speak with a member of their press team. Right. Let me hook you up with so-and-so who, you know, right, but they really don't... the expert on that, right? Right. Seldom do they say, I don't know. Everybody, Gail Craft is a motivational speaker, writer, empowerment coach who grew up as a street smart kid on the streets of Boston, Massachusetts, graduated to the boardroom working in organizations such as Massachusetts Teachers Association, John Hancock Property and Casualty, and General Electric Insurance. She turned her first business around at the age of 28 and has continued to help businesses, entrepreneurs, and individuals achieve their goals with clarity of vision. Gail approaches life unapologetically. And she is dedicated to helping others understand what it takes to live to their fullest potential. And on that note, Gail, what do you typically speak on in front of audiences? I'm going to assume it has something to do with living life to the fullest. Right? 
it really unapologetic. <laughs> so, um, so one of my key programs is called Living an Endlessly Delicious Life. And the, the word delicious, I'm getting shivers, is my word for am I making a right choice for me? So when I work with clients, we figure out what is your purpose and, and, and what is your energetic feeling when you get there and then give it a word. So my word is delicious. And if I'm not making a choice that's delicious, Bridget, then I'm making a choice, choice that's pretty distasteful. Why would I do that? Mm. Why would I do that? So I can look at a choice I need to make, which we make choices a thousand times a day. And I can say, does this feel delicious to me? It might not. Where is this going to take me? Is that delicious? Yes. Is this distasteful enough that I would give up the delicious? Or is this just a little distasteful? I might give up the delicious. I might not. But I can make decisions based on how it feels. And if, if you can feel where you want to go, you'll get there in absolutely no time. Because you start to live as though it is. And when you live as though it is, it has to happen. That's the key to manifestation. So we're talking about language. We're talking about body language. We're talking about energy. We're talking about mindset. Those are the types of things the the program Living an Endlessly Delicious Life is all about. Mm. Did Mm. I hear you correctly that it's okay to give up some of the deliciousness to embrace something that may be a little distasteful? If it's a step towards deliciousness. So um, as I said to you earlier, when we were talking, I've just launched a podcast. Now, do you think the technical stuff on preparing to get this stuff launched was delicious? Right? Absolutely (laughs) not. Not. (laughs) Right? But when that thing went live and I got that first email, I was like, yes. So yes, I did a little bit of distasteful because I knew the delicious was going to be so juicy. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So let's reel it back into the speaker world. (laughs) What should speakers do to ensure their presentations are delicious? Ah, first of all, they love the subject matter you're talking about. If you love it, the audience will know. If you're giving a presentation because it's a have to do and you're not really too sure about it, it's going to come across really cold. So be sure you absolutely know and love your subject matter because you can go up without any notes. I had, uh, so back in the day, I belonged to a BNI group, Business Network International, back in the day. And no speakers, they have to speak, two speakers every week showed up, no one. And so someone said, can we fill the speaker, the speaker spot today? And I'm like, hell yeah, what do you want to talk about? Right, because I was that confident by that point to talk, and I had them eating out of my hands. When they left, they were like, this was the most motivational meeting we've had. That was awesome. Because I talked about what I knew and what I loved, Right. 
Yeah. Right. And so you don't need to have the three by five cars or, you know, the cheat sheets or the monitor or, you know, the PowerPoint. Be prepared because technology might give out on you. Right. You need to be prepared for like old day cold in front of everybody. No notes and be okay with that. What are some small things that you do? I'm thinking you already have three to five note cards in your head, right? Three to five (laughs) topics or bullet points that you know you can make on the fly. What's the best way to always be ready so you don't have to get ready? I would say pretend that you have to get ready and get ready. So back in the day, because I've been doing this for quite a few years. So back in the day before I had an arsenal of, of training and presentations that I could do, I would create one, but not necessarily give it. And I would practice giving it and then ask some folks, hey, will you you come to a free presentation for me? Right. And then give me some feedback on the presentation and then practice some more and practice some more. Um, As I did that, I started to see for myself a theme that resonated with me. Right. And that's when I say language, mindset, energy, those are the things that resonate with me that I completely understand. And I can bring it to, if you have an analytical and a scientific mind, I can talk to you on that level. If you have a woo-woo mind, if you believe in spirits and what I can talk to you at that level, if you're somewhere in between, I can go there too. Right. So I can, what's the audience? Who's in the audience? I can bring the conversation. That's why if you stick to bullet points and you stick to a script, you don't know the audience. I had a, a, a trainer. So I belonged to a training group, train the trainer, whatever the, the name of the group was. And we went where the trainers were being trained by trainers. It was, you know, that happens. And this amazing presenter got on stage when she hit home, knowing your audience one of the things that she did was have us stand up, turn to the right, rub our shoulders, turn to the left, rub our shoulders, because we were going to be there for a little bit more than an hour and a half. By the way, hour and a half, give your, your, your audience a break. They need to stretch their legs. And then she told us um, she had IBM as a customer. And she foolishly did that exercise. And they turned to the left and did not touch each other and turned to the right and did not touch each other because IBMers do not touch each other. And she said, no, you need to know your audience and have an arsenal again. Okay, so I know I've got, you know, people in in the the tight suits and, you know, maybe tight asshole. They're not gonna do this, right? (laughs) 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 I told you it was gonna be raw and real. So have something else they can do, right? Will they right. raise up their arms and stretch? Will they, you know, take a walk around the right. room and stretch, right? So something else. So, so although you said if you stick to your bullet points or your bullets, you don't know your audience, maybe we'll say it's okay to stick to your bullet points, but have some flexibility. It's yes. okay to stick to your bullet points, right? Oh, it's okay to stick to your bullet points, but make sure you've done your homework beforehand. And so maybe that's a question to ask. If you know you're going to have your audience doing something that maybe some people might not like because IBM or not, you will have some audiences where they're just not trying to touch each other. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. I mean, period. 
period, end of story. So if you know you have an activity where you may get met with some resistance from the audience, there's nothing wrong with a week, two, three out from the event asking your point of contact, hey, I'm thinking about this activity. I'm thinking about this question that I plan on posing to the audience. Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it'll go over well? It'll take five minutes on the phone or five minutes on Zoom to make sure that what you have in your bullet points is likely, more than likely to be delicious and go over with your audience. Gail, in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask me a question. But before I do that, I am going to ask you, about a time that you gave a presentation that just rocked the house. It is a presentation that you cannot, it it just will not leave your mind. What did you do that was so memorable and so rock star (laughs) quality-like? Honestly, it's the time that I piloted living an endlessly delicious life. So I ran a pilot and I let everyone know. So it was a low price to come in. So this was one that I gave, right? And I put it out on, you know, your social media platforms and I put it out on Eventbrite. I had strangers coming. We had standing room only. I mean, it was ridiculous. The number of people that were there, right? I was, I was so thrilled. And what I loved about that is because of the energy in the room, every single one of my exercise exercises hit home. I was looking for, because it was a pilot, I was looking for where I could scrub it, right? And it was amazing. The communication that everyone was having with each other, it was, the camaraderie that was built with each other was remarkable and the fact that strangers that that were not on my network came to a pilot for me was fantastic that's awesome that's awesome so it was energy and it was you creating the energy oftentimes presenters will make the mistake of thinking the audience is responsible for creating the energy and setting the tone and to get uh, and, and for getting excitement running through the room. And it is not the audience's responsibility. Every last one of us has heard someone, some speaker, get in front of an audience and say, good morning, or how's it going? And they are met with a lackluster response. And then they follow up, the speaker follows up with, oh, come on, you can do better than that. Well, hold on. It's a couple of problems going on here. Number one, it is not the audience's responsibility to get themselves hyped up or to get you hyped up for that matter. Number two, you have not done anything to get them excited. You just walked on the stage. I mean, unless you're, you're Oprah or Sir Richard Branson or your favorite politician or something. I mean, you, just your mere presence on the microphone is not enough to get the audience say, yes, hello, howdy, good morning. Right. And then finally, it is not the audience's responsibility. It is your responsibility as a speaker. And Gail, it is clear you know 
this. You fully understand and fully embrace that responsibility. And for my listeners, getting your audience hyped, getting your audience excited is not about bells and whistles and lights, camera, action. No, it is about immediately solving a problem for them, immediately connecting with them and letting them know that you get it, you understand where they are. And by golly, by the time we are done with this presentation, you are going to be in a different place. That is how you get them hyped. That's how you get them saying, yes, I'm ready for this. Bring it on. And they <laughs> will support you throughout the whole thing. They will. They will. And speaking of bring it on, Gail, what is your question for me? I'm oh, in the God, seat. I have more than one. Okay, Bridget, Bridget, Bridget. What? When you think about all of the presentations that you have had, what is the one that if you were able to go back and do a redo, what would that redo look like? Oh, yes. So the first one that I can distinctly remember was one that I did in 2001. And I've talked about this one in another episode, as a matter of fact. It was one that I did in San Antonio at a criminal justice conference, a ton of academicians around. I don't remember exactly the topic. I'm sure if I look at my resume, I'll find it. Of course, it was something in juvenile justice or criminal justice. But I remember I did not have a formula. I did not have a formula for how to start, deliver, and end that presentation. The only formula I had was watching other professors speak or other conference presenters give their messages. That's all I had either that day or in the past. I knew the information that I wanted to give the audience, but that was it. I had not thought about how I wanted to make the audience feel. Mm -hmm. I had not thought about how I wanted the audience to act. I had not thought about the change I wanted to bring about in that audience. So to answer your question, any one presentation, it would be that one. And what would I do differently? It would be to make sure I had a formula for starting, delivering, and ending that puppy so that I set my audience up to feel like this was, this was not just information, but this was good. This was a good time as well. I want to hear this lady again I want to learn more about this but all I was doing Gail was showing up saying okay I need to get through this I didn't have any kind of a solid plan and that's kind of what brought my book about real talk what other experts won't tell you about how to make presentations that sizzle because even though I had taken a public speaking class in college which was required by every single major that class still didn't really teach me how to do what I know now is incredibly important when it comes to an electric presentation. So how do you engage the audience? How do you create this dynamic experience or this delicious experience? That's what I want to go back and redo, make sure I have that formula in place. Absolutely. And, and the, the thing is, I mean, we just touched the tip of the iceberg, Bridget. It's the way that you stand. It's where you're bringing your voice from, right? It's the energy that you bring when you talk about the energy. You know, I started off working for motivational speakers and my job was to get the energy in that room to a certain level at certain phases of the presentation. So I learned about energy. 
right? And I learned how, I, again, watched how they managed the audience to get them where they needed them to go. And see, at the time, Gail, I was not thinking about being a professional speaker. So you were talking about how you watched other speakers and so on. For me, and I was working on a PhD in juvenile justice at the time, the most important thing was making sure that I had my research tight, my data points were there, I had my whatever they were, pie charts or bar graphs. I had all of my research. I had my list of references. That was what was incredibly important to me was making sure all of that was buttoned down and it was tight. And I didn't think about the delivery of it so much. I knew I wanted it to be organized. That wasn't hard. And I thought a little bit about the kinds of presentations that are effective for me as an audience member. And that is making sure it's organized, making sure everything makes sense. But I didn't think about creating connection. I didn't think about creating energy. I didn't think about all of the other pieces that go into having a presentation that's more than just a bunch of data points or more than just a bunch of research and, and, and having it nice and neat and organized and packaged up and making sure I didn't go over the 60 minutes. There's so much more to it. It's really creating an experience. Mm -hmm. It's about giving information, but also creating a transformation. Right. And, and that's just it. We are experiential beings, right? And if we can't feel it and believe it, it's not going to bring any meaning to our life. That was an outstanding question, Gail. Thank you. That was, that was fantastic. You took me back. (laughs) Way back. Gail, if there was one last thing you could share with the audience about how to make sure they always own the microphone, what would that last thing be? To make sure that you always own the microphone, I would say just have fun. The second that you step from behind the curtain and in front, forget everything else, just have fun. Because if you're enjoying yourself, everyone else will too. Yep, yep. It makes me think about a party and you're hosting a party. If you're running around frantic and sweating and trying to find the stuffed mushrooms and everybody else is like, oh my goodness, I, you know what? I, I, I think I left a roast in the oven. I'll- I was going to say, I've left that party and gone to another one. <laughs> <laughs> right. The audience is going to feed off of your energy. And if you're having a good time, they are going to have a good time. If you're feeling them, you're pumped, you're jazzed, you're giving them a great experience, they're going to indeed have that fantastic and delicious experience. Gail Craft, it has been absolutely, (laughs) oh my goodness, so much fun having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the honor. It has been great. You have an amazing opportunity for folks and I'm glad that I was able to participate. Fantastic. I feel the same way. Everybody, this has been Bridge McGowan. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone.